Christ, this is from this is from the Solemnity of the Baptism of the Lord yeah. on in two thousand eight. So Pope Benedict says Christ's entire mission is summed up in this: to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was that was Bill Johnson. I apologize. <laughs> I no, this is Pope Benedict. Yeah, right. Christ's entire mission is summed up in this: to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Mm. Yes. That, so, that yes, sounds amen. like that sounds like evangelical it language. Does. To me. Oh, no, what's amazing to me, <laughs> and yet it's the deepest theologian we've had in yes, modern church yes, history. Yes, yeah, I w- joked when I was sharing that. Sorry, Brad. I no, joked no, when no, I was no, sharing don't. that. Um, I love quoting Pope Benedict because if you if you disagree with Pope Benedict, <laughs> you're, you're begging for a fight. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, I am your host for today's show, Aaron Richards. I'm joined here in the illustrious, we don't say that word often enough, Damascus Media Studio with my friends and brothers in Christ, Mr. Brad Pierin. Yes, sir. Brad and Dan. Hey, hey. Good to see you. Wow, that was a really loud high five. high five this morning. It's going to be a good show. Yeah, I always hate in middle school youth ministry when you go to give a middle schooler a high five and they don't know what to do. Oh. Like they don't, they don't put their hand out. You're like, hey, and then they don't lift their hand up. You're just what do like, you do they wow. Hand Usually I grab their hand. I've actually seen you palm their head before too, that, Aaron. You're like, just well. keep your hand moving in the high five direction and just grab Send their forehead. Send your kids to Damascus where they don't give us high fives. Well, it's just, forehead grasp them. I feel like every <laughs> middle school parent, like when they're, like, yes, you have to talk to your child about puberty, but you also have to teach him just basic human nature things. Like when a person puts their hand up in the air, that means a That's high a five. Good. And Agreed. Agreed. You, you also do that. Yeah. We're going to have an yeah. in-service tonight in our <laughs> household. <laughs> <laughs> that, actually, I have done that. I've had, it, um, I'll knock on my own door and my kids have to practice how to answer the door effectively as good. human beings. Hey, yeah. that's good. Just so they know how to be civilized children in the world. Have you uh, taught them how the you figure out if someone comes for a knuckle bump and you go for the handshake? Oh, I haven't. that not as I universal? Because I, I mess that up about every time. Oh, I'm sure that's... Giovanni would have a good number of ways to do that awkwardly. Like, I bet he would just start, like, like Forming caressing your little knuckle. <laughs> yeah. fist. Perfect. No. Okay, well, oh, if anybody well. has an idea hey, that was a good that, show intro. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, anyway. Here we uh, go. Beyond a Mask, yeah, we're the show where Encounter Meets Mission. So, um, if... If by chance you're new to the show. So the three of us, uh, we work here full-time at a, a place called Damascus in Sanderburg, Ohio. And we are a young adult missionary community. We're working to bring revival to the Catholic Church. And one of the ways that we do that is through this show. So we want to witness to the way, like St. Paul, who encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, where his life was transformed forever, um, he, became a, he became a minister of the gospel to the nations and it was that encounter with Jesus that launched him into a life of real outward ministry. And so too for you. So if you have encountered Jesus, then you are charged with a life of mission. And uh, if you're trying to live mission without Jesus, then you're doing it wrong. So uh, we want to witness to the fruit that can come from mission. And uh, speaking of mission, it's it's just been a packed few weeks here. So we uh, occasionally will get an opportunity to really share just a little bit of insight into what it is that's going on in our lives. And Brad, you mentioned on the way in today on the Beyond Damascus group text that you've been out of 
You've been out of the home for 12 of the last 16 days. days. (laughs) My wife, Nina, is amazing. Things don't slow down in the fall here at Damascus. It's funny. Some people who know us primarily for Catholic youth summer camp, they'll, they'll look at us and say, Oh, you, it must be great up there in the, in the fall, winter, spring. You guys are just (laughs) hanging out. Just, just wandering around campus, <laughs> checking out the different tree colors. I love when people are like, so like, do you do anything during the year? Like, what do you do? What's your job? Like, I don't understand how you have a job. We, <laughs> yeah. we, we just run a summer camp. <laughs> yeah, right. Even if we did just run a summer camp, like running summer camp for 7,500 kids every summer is quite the operation to prepare some, for. It takes some prep work. Yeah. I'm not the best person to look at for prep work, but I'll tell you what, it does take some prep work. So Brad, what have you been up to the last couple of weeks? Why have you been out of town? Yeah. So, um, I'm the missionary program director here. So anyone listening that doesn't know that, that's the case. And we have a huge summer coming up and a huge full-time year next year. So that requires missionary applicants. The way that we over time have decided um, to be the best way to engage people in our ministry is by giving them an opportunity to taste the ministry that we do. And Mm -hmm. so we go to college campuses and we run events called Awaken Nights. So if you're listening and you have a connection to a college campus, you can reach out to us at mission at damascus.net. And we run Awaken Nights where ultimately we have Eucharistic adoration. We have uh, a time to preach the gospel, just a basic charismatic, charismatic um, message that really brings people into what Jesus wants for their lives. We have a time of praise and worship after that, a time to give your life to the Lord, and a time to commit to going from that place onto mission because it's not just this radio show that has encounter yep. meeting mission, but really we implement that into pretty much everything we do here. And so an awakened night is to encounter Jesus and to say yes to mission. Mm. And so many young adults feel called to apostolic work. Mm. So whether it's with us or Focus or SPO, we're just encouraging them to get involved. And we know that when you raise the tide of the number of people yeah. interested, all the boats um, rise with it. So that's uh, that's really what my time's been taken up by. I'm trying to think of the other things. We went to Southern California for Woo-woo, the National Southern Catholic C- Youth Conference. Oh, yeah. So NCYC, um, NFCYM, thanks for all that you do. I'm really grateful for all the youth ministers that have given their lives. Can we just there. say that one more time? So it's the NFCYM that puts on NCYC. NCYC. So it's what, like, is it, like yes. the Catholic Church helping kids <laughs> learn the alphabet. Alphabet, yeah. Well, I have a wife that's in a health healthcare. Nina always comes home with all these acronyms. I'm like, ministry is the only thing that keeps up with the medical field in our acronym usage. Um, But uh, yeah, so um, that was awesome. It was just really good to experience. It's it's cool to see um, the Catholic Church come together, just all the different apostolates, all the different religious orders, like everyone's there. And I actually was really blessed um, and not to be presenting or anything, but really just involved and really just meeting people and connecting and so, uh, that, oh, it was the most fascinating conversation you had at NCYC, mm-hmm. the National Catholic Youth. Oh Conference. man, there were so many. I would say the most fascinating conversation I had was probably with this um, this Hispanic family. Mm-hmm. This Hispanic family has been running uh, just a a religious shop in Southern California for the last, I think, two decades. And so there were three generations there, and uh, the the first two generations actually didn't speak English at all. Uh, the third generation um, spoke. Um, a, a, much better English than I can speak any other language, let's say. Uh-huh. And so I went there. I didn't even know like what the the store was called because it was all in Spanish. And I came and they're sitting over there and they're making these beautiful rosaries. They're like, they're carving things in wood. And I saw over to the side, this nativity set that was like 
hand carved and hand painted. And my wife, Nina and I have been looking for a nativity <clears throat> set for a long time. And I started asking them the question. Anyway, the conversation about how they've maintained their faith amidst great trial and even coming over to America and starting. And it just, it gave me that, um, hmm. I don't know. I think our church would do well to learn from pioneering families, you yeah. know? And I was just like touched by the Lord and talking to this family, like, they had seasons where like, maybe we shouldn't do this, but then the Lord would like give them a sign and someone would come through and make a purchase. Mm, and yeah. I was like, well, hopefully today can be a sign. Cause I'm not, I'm not sure like how well the shop's been doing here at the conference, but I would love to buy that nativity scene. You know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, long story short, there were a ton of fascinating conversations about ministry. Mm. We met with Santiago retreat center that are doing phenomenal things in Southern California, net ministries who does amazing things all around the country um, who do amazing things does whatever. Um, but I would say that's the one that like is sticking with me today. Nice, fantastic. Yeah, Dan, you've been busy too. Yeah, yeah, it's been exciting. So the, I mean, I think the neat thing about our positions is mm -hmm. that we get to do um, both executive leadership here at Damascus and help lead our body and move our body forward, but then also get to be the pioneers, as you said, mm -hmm. out there helping to grow our postulate as well. And so just October and November have been full of missions. It's like incredible. Like whether like uh, preaching in Seattle, preaching at a conference in Vancouver, and then all over um, like Michigan and Ohio, Youngstown, Cleveland, uh, Fort Wayne. It's just been really neat to um, hit all these different communities. And the neat thing about, I think, preaching missions uh, abroad is you get like the church is, is so similar everywhere you go and so unique everywhere you go. And like, it's amazing. Like one night I was literally preaching in a, um, rural farm community in Western Ohio. Then the next night I went and preached in a in, uh, tiny industrial town in Eastern Ohio. Um, and then the next day I'm in Seattle, Washington. And it's just like, <laughs> like to, to be able to experience like the rural church, the industrial church, the, the urban church, and to see the similarities and mm -hmm. the struggles that like the church faces everywhere. Um, but at the same time, um, to see the uniqueness of of uh, each of these communities and what God is doing in their communities. I think sometimes we get so, um, especially I think this is hard for us because we're, we're well, uh, maybe me, uh, but like I'm such a big thinker that I just think in universalities a lot. Like I want the whole nation, but then it's like to see a priest, uh, our good friend, Father Tom Gardner, like I was at his parish, they were celebrating 125 years in Coshocton, Ohio, right? Like, like who, like who even knows what Coshocton is, right? Like, and, and yet this priest who has so joyfully laid his life down for this group of, uh, this, this, this parish there, right. That like, um, you don't win the nation if you don't win every part of the nation. And, and so there's, there's gotta be people who are pioneering and going out across the nation, but then there's also gotta be those committed pastors who are just like, I'm going to lay my life down for this flock. And it's just, it's beautiful to see that as you go into different communities communities like, oh, wow, this is the person that's been called and appointed to this flock and they're laying their life down. How can I help you? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and to get alongside, I've also noticed in the last six weeks, um, man, it, it, the Holy spirit is not a part of the conversation. <laughs> like, like I, I feel like I go to these different conferences or missions and in the planning process, Time and time and time again, um, I I have to remind the people who are planning that if if you desire, and a lot of times, even a lot of these conferences I've been speaking at are like how to form missionary disciples, how to go out and evangelize, and they want to be mission focused. Um, 
But like their plan of execution doesn't include the Holy Spirit. Like mm-hmm. three nights of a mission with no no talk of the Holy Spirit, uh, a weekend long conversation with no talk of the Holy. Like the literally the church teaches the principal agent of evangelization is Holy Spirit. And so mm-hmm. if we want to be missionary disciples, if we want to evangelize, we've we've got to the charisma is incomplete if it doesn't include the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And the the launching forth of the Acts of the Apostles. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and, the continuation of Christ's salvific work. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, and if we miss that, well, I wonder, like, what is it? Because some something about, um, I, I think, our church in wanting to do good things and speaking, like, that we're all called into mission, without mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, I think it just falls into personality types, right? Like, then, then I just, the, my mode of evangelization is just my personality. Yeah, not, not the gifts that the Lord's given me, or my own my own natural gifts and talents, right? Sure, Where sure. like, uh, and the not Lord saying has, those are bad yeah, things, yeah. but that they're insufficient. The Lord has blessed us mm-hmm. with personalities, which are a gift, of course, and He's yeah. blessed us with natural gifts and talents, which are a yes. gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but then He also gives us access to supernatural power, and the uh, I love because it's like. What does Jesus refer to the Holy Spirit over and over again in the scriptures as his advocate, helper? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like you're gonna go off and do mission and you're gonna need help. And like yeah. I'm giving you an advocate, someone yeah. who's who's gonna advocate for you uh, so you're not alone, and someone who's gonna help you along the way so you're effective. And but it is neat. The church is hungry for it. So like I've got I'll kindly like when talking to the planners. I'm always like, you know, um, I really think we should include the Holy Spirit in this. Like, oh yeah, like uh-huh. they 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 want to get behind it. It's just, I, I think he's still a forgotten member of the Trinity. That like in our planning and our execution, mm-hmm. we have to be very intentional on including him. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? Yep. We've got to change the narrative a little bit too, because a, a lot of our experience of the Holy Spirit in the church, especially in recent years, has been relegated to uh, charismatic worship yep. or or stuff that not everybody sure. is comfortable with. But, you know, when you when you look at, Dan, on some of the missions we've been on, you know, where, where you see in Western Ohio or Eastern Ohio or like some of these rural communities where truly communities have come together to build these magnificent uh, uh, cathedrals in, of local churches, right? That oftentimes like there's, there's, a deep connection and reliance on the spirit's movement, but we, we, we hesitate to mention him by name. Yeah. Right. So I, I think that we can, we can change the narrative. I don't want to water down anything certainly, but, but to realize that, Hey, like you, you can't do what you want to do on your own. Oh, and by the way, you didn't do what you have done on your own. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so like, it's the spirit that's, it's the spirit who's brought us here. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Well, yeah, it is bizarre too. Like anytime the Holy Spirit does something, it is somewhat bizarre because it surpasses what we know is normal, you know? And I think sometimes we can fear that which isn't normal, right? Like, but then when we look at the history of the church, the church was founded on a principle that wasn't normal, right? That that this God who ascended left us and sent us God who would dwell in us. Like all mm-hmm. of that is bizarre, yeah, it's even hard to like articulate perfectly, right? Yeah. Yeah. But if we're built on that that bizarre premise, that's a promise that we trust in, like the the things that happen sometimes that like whenever the Holy Spirit shows up and he, um, I don't know, convicts someone of like a sin that they had long forgotten about, like in their own life, and they repent from it, or 
brings up uh, into someone's mind a wound that they had suppressed for 20 years, right? Yep. Like those are bizarre things to happen, but they're also really beautiful. Like yeah. in the same way that the ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit is bizarre, but beautiful. I think, I think there's an element that we are afraid to be let down by God, <laughs> where mm-hmm. like we, we see what he's doing in the Acts, the apostles, and we know that he's a miraculous working God because we believe so ardently in the lives of the saints. But I think if, if we put too much expectation on him for this event or this ministry or this conference or this mission, then if we're afraid that, oh man, well, what if he doesn't work in the way I thought he was going Mm. to work? And then I'm let down. And what if I talk too much of what he can do that then I let down the people who are participants Mm -hmm. because they didn't. And I, I think that lack of experience of seeing God move powerfully has limited our own expectation. Mm-hmm. And we've normalized the move of God, right? Like yeah. um, where, no, like he's a miraculous working God. He wants to work in miraculous ways and he's asking for greater faith from us and, um, and we'll never be mm-hmm. let down. We may mm-hmm. not understand, right? There may be a lack of understanding the mystery of what God is doing, Um but I, I do think there is a genuine fear. If I put too much expectation on God, I'm not going to see it, and then I'm going to feel like I did God wrong. <laughs> you know, like I didn't, yeah. I didn't have enough faith, or I let yeah. people down, and I don't know how to deal with well, that. What really. is the fear? That, I'm trying to figure out. I think would the fear be something like I need to make sure to buffer people's expectations so that if God doesn't come through, they're not prone to forget about Him or give up on Him or something like that. I think there's like a there has to be a good hearted thing there, you know, like, cause if, uh, I'm just trying to figure out what that is. So if I'm, if I'm buffering, if I don't want to speak too, um, high of expectations so as to not let the people around me, um, I don't know, be disappointed by those expectations not being met. There has to be a reason I'm doing that. And I would presume the reason that I'm doing that is because I think that if, if they're let down in this moment, they might give up on the Lord, which is the opposite of what I'm wanting to do in evangelization. But that takes God completely out of the picture, right? Like it, it actually, it puts the, the like, um, what am I trying to say? The weight on me and, and not on the Lord. And the Lord, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just... like the opposite of faith to me. Yeah, something like that, right? Well, yeah, it's it's like a it's, and, yeah, you're almost trying to ensure certainty, which is not going to happen. Well, and I think uh, naming naming the experiences you're having as a work of the Holy Spirit is really valuable, like you were saying, Aaron. Because like, so in um, one of the conferences I was preaching at in Vancouver, I was sharing about the the power of the Holy Spirit and you know, really building faith in the realm of uh, a miracle working God and the way the Holy Spirit wants to work through us. Um, but then in, in praying through, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit for the community that was there present, like being able to label what God is doing in the room and some were being moved with, with power and you saw it in their bodies, right? Like there was a significant transformation happening both in, in body and spirit. And others were really being touched with an, an insane amount of peace and, um, and hope, like even like, so where does peace come from? Only the Holy Spirit. Where, where does joy come from? Holy Spirit. Where does hope come from? Holy Spirit. Where does desire mm-hmm. and expectation for a move of God come from? Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so all of this that's happening is the Holy Spirit working in you. And so if you're like, okay, well, this person's shaking right now and I'm not shaking. So does that mean I'm not experiencing the Holy Spirit? I don't know. What are you experiencing? Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Uh, right. well, I'm experiencing a ton of joy, right? Okay. Like, and, and to see when mm-hmm. I named it, it was so beautiful because people 
afterwards came up and they're like, wow, like I've actually felt like I haven't had uh, the mm. presence of God deep in my life, but now mm-hmm. I'm able to look back in and in these different moments yes. where yeah, I yeah, felt yeah. like God wasn't moving and actually he was extremely present. Right, right. And, 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 and when we don't feel like he's moving in our lives, we'll judge the person shaking saying there's no way he could do that in yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. what happens is whenever we, um, whenever we corner Holy Spirit into only being operative, operative in one way in our lives. If he fails to be operative in that way, we presume he can't operate in a different way in someone else's life, which puts us into judgment, which is never something we want to be in as ministers. And Aaron, you, I think you're one of the first ones to actually um, express that to me. And I wonder, um, I, don't, I don't want to put you on the spot, but you, at the men's retreat we recently ran, you um, gave a quote from Pope Benedict about the baptism in the Holy Spirit that I remember being in the back and got really blessed by. Oh, yeah, we were sitting next like, to each other. You, Brad I was, was like, so whoa, that's the best ever. I just, I just yes. sometimes <laughs> think I'm making these things up, actually. He's looking for his talk I would love to line. see it because it was ultimately that the the the, um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I don't know, it was something like it was. it's founda- It's a foundational reality of yeah. us who are called to the Christian life. Christ, or something. Christ like. this is from this is from the solemnity of the baptism of the Lord yeah. on in 2008. So Pope Benedict says, Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. I'm sorry. Wait, I'm sorry. Say it again. I'm say sorry. It again. That, was, that was Bill Johnson. I apologize. No, this is Pope Benedict. Yeah, right. Christ's entire mission is summed up in this, to baptize us in the Holy Spirit, to free us from the slavery of death, and to open heaven to us. Mm. Yes. That, re- that, yes sounds like, that sounds like evangelical it language. Does. Well, no, what's amazing to me. And yet it's the deepest theologian we've had in yes, modern church yes, history. Yes. Yeah, and I we- joked when I was sharing that. Sorry, Brad. I no, joked no, when I was no, sharing no. that. Um, I love quoting Pope Benedict because if you if you disagree with Pope Benedict, <laughs> you're, you're begging for a fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're the one who has to check your theology usually when you argue with Benedict. But no, I was just saying what what um, I, what amazes me is that like that's deep that's deep from the heart of the church. Yeah, like he he's saying those are the three fundamental realities of the incarnation of Jesus. Like that's what Jesus is trying to do for us. Yeah. and one of the principal things he says. Um, is open. to baptize, baptize in the Holy Spirit, open heaven, like yeah, right. The like, what right. does that, what does that mean? If there's an open heaven, it means that lots of gifts are coming down. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like if yes. I, if I uh, don't yes. have a roof on my house, what, yeah. what happens? Well, everything that comes from the sky gets in yes, my house. Right, right. And if I, there's, if there's an open heaven above me, everything that comes from heaven yeah. gets inside of me, and yeah. that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, and Benedict, like one of the other things that he has said that I, I'm a huge fan of is that the church has always and will always exist to do three things, to worship God, to evangelize, and to serve the poor. And when you sum up the church into that, you recognize how incredibly important those three things are in order to do those effectively, right? Like to worship God, to give worth to God, to evangelize, to bring the good news to all the corners of the earth. (laughs) And to serve the poor. I wish I was powerful enough to be able to say, like, this is the three things Jesus does, or this is the three things the church exists to I'm do. I'm glad yeah. I'm not, because I, I'd be wrong, like, like, Oh, wow, you just spoke authoritatively on Jesus and the church and the, church. And the three mandates. Yes, and yes. Like, well, so you get when you're Pope. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe I should run for Pope. Right. <laughs> okay. I don't. Okay. Well, uh, I think maybe the next we can and segue. Yeah. Well, oh, a different. I'm gonna make yard no, signs. I'm gonna run in this pope. house. We believe in oh, no. Dan as pope. No, I'm just kidding. Right, so here's, I'm sorry. I'm here's sorry. one thing that's been here's one thing that's been consistent throughout throughout the history of the church. Right. That that even in the 
I guess probably before the time of the apostles, but it, certainly in the time of the early church and the time of Acts of the Apostles, that that we, you know, the types of experiences that we're sharing today were not um, are not just modern phenomena, right? There were churches in ancient, uh, in I guess in ancient Christianity, who they went astray, they got their theology wrong, they didn't understand the Holy Spirit. So what happened? Well, an apostle came to them, right? Yeah. Or right. likewise, there have been historically throughout throughout the history of the church places of pilgrimage, you know, like like Damascus is today for like we talked about seventy five hundred young people in the every every summer that I don't have my life um, together, so I'm going to make a pilgrimage to a community who does, so I can so I can learn something new, I can get a different glimpse of some different aspect of of the Lord, and I, I think that's really valuable, yeah. you know. A lot of times we we want to be homebodies. We want to we want to say that my parish is sufficient, right? There's nothing lacking here. And to say that I need to go out isn't saying that what I have is insufficient. It's saying that the church is meant to be universal, right? Yes. So uh, maybe as a as a kind of a preview to where we're going with the rest of the show, if if I'm feeling like I've got room to grow, and I hope that you are, right? Yeah. I'm. Ho- I hope that I hope that none of us are living in the world thinking I've I've got I've got in me the fullness of the faith. Hmm. Uh, that like take advantage of that conference you've been thinking about. Take yeah. advantage of that uh, that that itinerant speaker who's coming out to the parish next in the next town over. Uh, take advantage of even the conference that's being hosted at the non-Catholic church down the street, right? Or make pilgrimage to that place you've been thinking about, or that place that sounds cool. Make pilgrimage to Damascus for one of our for one of our retreats or conferences, or or to Lourdes or Medjugorje. You know uh, why? Because when we when we stretch ourselves, even as whether whether you are professional professional ministers of the gospel, uh, like the three of us are, or uh, whatever walk in life that that you're that you find yourself, God's got more for you. And there's there's something that happens when you make an act of faith uh, in inviting someone into your community to form you or to going out to form others. Yeah, that's really it's such an interesting point, Aaron. Because as uh, especially in the American Catholic Church, we have such a normal habit of doing parish missions. I mean, I don't I don't know what the historical aspect of the parish mission is, but um, you you invite a speaker in for usually in the Catholic context as a parish will bring someone in for three days, right? And that, um, and, and I've, I've led a lot of parish missions. I'm all, uh, you know, it's always that question, like, am I moving? Is, is this community being transformed after this mission? And are they, are they taking what is what is being presented that the pastor has asked to be presented for his community to move them forward? Are, are they taking that and being transformed and moving it forward? And if you put that in a biblical context, like you're saying, you had someone so clearly like Paul, he would come and he would he would plant both he. It, it was a teaching, right? He would speak with one who had authority, but then he would also bring the power of the Holy Spirit. Yep. And there, um, and and the communities would would grab a hold of what he said. They would wrestle with it, and they would implant it into their their way of life. And I love even the Sundays gospel because you see us all the time in his epistles. He's like, "What you're how you're conducting yourself isn't how I told you to. Like you're not doing what you were instructed to do. Mm-hmm. Get back on course." Yeah. And um, I think so often. It is you. You'll, 
it, not even take advantage of the 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 mission that's happening, but then asking yourself, well, okay, after that mission, is it my job to carry this word into our community? Because Paul would establish leadership, and that those leaders would 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 take the they would grow the church essentially yeah. in that local community. And I think sometimes you know, like there's this there'll be a speaker that comes to the parish and they they say something amazing and significant. Well, then who's taking that word and executing it into parish life? post that event so that it actually becomes a movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess it, it's not just the churches in Western Ohio who have forgotten about the Holy Spirit or, or you know, I don't want to identify the church. Yeah. Western <laughs> actually, Western Ohio is freaking <laughs> they, amazing. They are, they are awesome. But They're no, all having like, like 19 kids and I, Mary the, statues the, on the front porches. Say, what I mean to say sure. is, uh, is we always, all of us are always yeah. forgetting about critical things. Yeah. And and that's been the case since you know since Saint Paul was encountered on the road to Damascus that that we need to be reminded we need to be we need to be set back on course yeah and it's just a it's a beautiful experience yeah Nina and I gave a message this uh, this weekend at an evangelization summit and we were talking about the five essentials uh, of like a, of a missional marriage ultimately and it was interesting because what we felt called to kind of start our message with was just how sometimes in the Catholic world, we can become so familiar with something that it no longer has the power it once had. Mm -hmm. So think about the Our Father. Think about the Creed, right? We can become so familiar with these amazing declarations, these amazing prayers, that it no longer carries what it is meant to carry. And I think that can happen with Holy Spirit too, that we can learn that he's the third person of the Trinity who spirates from the Father and the Son, which is already kind of mysterious, mm-hmm. and that he loves us and that he is an advocate for us to the Father and the Son mm-hmm. and that he wants to accompany us in our lives. Yeah. We, we if we go through, you know, Sunday school or, you know, wh- whatever, whatever you have in your particular area, maybe you're going to a Catholic school, maybe in homeschool, you're reading through different Catholic curriculum, we can understand that. But then the lived reality of that, that's mm. actually where the rubber meets the road. It's actually... When I when I pray the Our Father, knowing the Heavenly Father, it's a different prayer yeah. than when I just yeah. know the words. When I when I pray the Creed because I need to believe it because I'm risking myself in mission or because I'm in a season of my life where it's hard to believe that mm. thing. When I actually put something at stake and live from that place, things change. And I wonder if Holy Spirit's like that. The reason that we talked about that in our um, marriage thing is because I said that with the word vocation. Mm. That it can. It, what does it even mean anymore? It's just kind of like that's the way I'm going to live for my life. Yeah. It's like no. Well, that it comes from Volce. It comes from Vox. It, it it's a call. It's like that's God's communicative path for you. Like He wants to communicate to you mm. a path by which you come to be most like Him. Mm. So anyway, I think we can become almost too familiar with Holy Spirit language and not yeah. like the lived experience of relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. So I want to witness to uh, you know you guys have been in Vancouver and California and. There's heathens Places in Western in Ohio. Yeah. I love Western Ohio. <laughs> yeah, we all do, yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, you know, so Monica and I had an opportunity to go to uh, Paris a couple, week, couple weeks ago. And this is our third time visiting Paris for, there's a community called Annuncio there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan, you were with me a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to witness some of the work that, that I experienced there. So similar to NCYC, uh, in America, we have these national conferences where you've got, you know, five, ten. How many kids were there this weekend? Um, I want to say it was it was a total of like 
4,000 participants or okay. something like that. Yeah. Sweet. So you've got, you've got people from all over the country who are gathering to be ready to receive. And, um, what, what we encountered when we went our, our first year and then in subsequent years in, in Paris is that there's a community in Paris of young people. It's funny that the, the conference that the Annuncio community puts on is called the Congrès Mission. So it's the, it's the mission. Wait, say that again. I'm working on my on my French. <laughs> yeah, so, that's why I want you to say it again. Uh, yes, I love it. I can't I can't do it on the spot. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. It's got to be very natural. He, he just went for naturally. it. He went for it. I love if it. you if you uh, look at my if you look at my phone on my Screen Time app, you'll see that much of my my money of my off hours these days are being spent on Duolingo. Great, there you <laughs> go. Trying to learn French. Trying, Good work. Trying my best. That's it's, a that's uh, a sign it. that you have a call to that community. I've got a love hate yeah. relationship with Duolingo, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the French people. No. I'm really glad it didn't go there. <laughs> we're, just, no. we're going down all the rabbit mostly, holes. Mostly love in France. Okay, good. So uh, anyway, there's this, this Annuncio community, which is, I mean, I guess one of the differences between what we experience here in America and what you experience in France, here in America, it, it's not it's not common in any way for, for people to give their lives to mission in the way that we are at Damascus. We're, we're living a very uncommon lifestyle. But uh, in France, what I learned more this year is that actual professional ministers in the church are very uncommon. Yeah. So yeah, there's like no, there's very few lay ministry, if you will, yeah, in the church. Very few people are paid. Um, it's, it's, it's very, it would be very strange for someone to be paid to do ministry. Mm-hmm. So because of that, uh, or, you know, or in association with that, there's, there's this group of, of young adults, um, called the Annuncio community. I think they've got like four or five employees, period. And uh, there are there are two individuals who are in charge with organizing this conference. And this conference gathers, this year there were there were 9,000 people gathered in Paris. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a massive national conference. I mean, uh, yeah. I imagine that NCYC has more than two employees. Yes, they definitely are, do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the NFZYM, right? Yeah. Uh, here at Damascus, you know, we've got, when I, when I tell them that we've got a full-time staff of 65 and full-time missionaries of 65 who are working here at Damascus, it's like their jaw drops. Yeah, like, They just what? can't imagine what could happen with that kind of resource. So regardless, this I mean, this team of just sold out uh, Catholics, their, their, their mission is mission. Right, they want to bring they want to bring um, they want to bring mission to the spotlight. So that that's the whole purpose of the conference. It's literally called the Mission Congress. The Mission Congress, yeah. and and the idea is, I mean, it's it it's funny how how similar the roots are to to what we're doing with this show, right? To to really communicate to the world that you have to be a church on mission. Yeah. So prim- the primary reach is is young adults there and. Uh, like I said, this year there were there were nine thousand gathered, That's and uh, last year there were seventeen thousand. So every year they they will take turns. They'll gather in Paris for like a central gathering, or they'll split it up and do six or seven gatherings in different regions around the country. Which is even harder than planning one gathering. No, definitely, right? So last year across six six or seven regions, there were seventeen thousand people gathered in these in these different areas, different cathedrals. One of the coolest things about about this event in in France is that they don't gather at a you know civic arena like you would for the NCYC event or like we do for different expos here in Ohio, but 
uh, they actually gather in these massive cathedrals. Yeah. So there's a there's a cathedral in France. It's just a little bit bigger than uh, than Notre Dame. It's called uh, Saint Sulpice, and it's got seating capacity for roughly five thousand people. So so they set up five thousand chairs inside, and then this year they had this massive outdoor tent right on the right on the steps. So the so the seating would overflow. They had like four thousand more seats. Why pay for a conference center when you have the largest conference center in the city? Oh, it's <laughs> right, right, it's right. just it's totally awesome. Not so, saying the churches are conference centers. Uh, <laughs> no, but, I mean, but yeah, they are man. gathering spaces. <laughs> no, they were. I, like, no, I see what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's a place to conference. No, it's, yeah. I mean it's it's beautiful. It's funny some of the, some of the conversations that we've had uh, in in recent months, even here on the show, is like trying to break down this dichotomy that it feels exists between the traditional and the and the contemporary, or the traditional and the charismatic. And what what was so curious, one of the things I noticed this year was it seems like that conversation doesn't need to happen in. When you when you're hosting your conference in a cathedral, <laughs> that's like hundreds of years old. Yeah, because it's like it's like the the uh, the sense of tradition is so deeply embedded in like in the blood of the community. Yeah, that when you when you introduce the charismatic, it's not seen as competitive. Yeah, but but that what yeah, and what they do though so well is they did like they take this incredibly beautiful cathedral and then they 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 utilize modern technology uh-huh. to yeah. make it look yeah. like so much more beautiful. It's like <laughs> yes. they've got these incredible LED lights all over the sides. And like, it just, uh, what it does is they enhance the beauty, not take away from it. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes that's our fear that modernity, because it has made truth, beauty, and goodness disappear in so many ways. Yeah. We're afraid that modernity entering the church is going to somehow take away from the beauty as opposed to enhancing it. Well, I had this reflection. I'm not sure how real it is, but I, I think a lot of times in my experience, the reason that we the reason that we have to have this back and forth between are we going to advocate for traditionalism or ism, I don't know. Are we yeah, going to advocate sure. for traditional value or for contemporary, contemporary value? The, the reason that that has to happen is because we're starting from a blank slate or we're starting from a whitewashed church that was built in the 60s or 70s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in order to even advocate for any traditional sense, I have to create a traditional mm-hmm. atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, so that makes the, sense. The Catholic church wasn't meant to be experienced from a blank slate. Like it's meant to be experienced from kingdom. So mm-hmm. when, when you have access to to the the beauty and the richness of, of the body of Christ, you, you don't have to try to artificially yeah. create it. Yeah, well, there's something about us as Americans in that too, in the sense that just the way the Protestant Reformation took the the country here yeah. in America, and it didn't do that in Europe. So there's, there's also this idea that like, it, in the way that it's taken part in America, there's certain aspects that the, the Catholic Church have stayed true to. It, it's what... Uh, Cardinal George says, right, that um, the Catholic Church has all of the gifts that Christ desires for his people, but it doesn't mean that they always exercise them the best in every place and in every season, that there's other, like, Protestant brothers and sisters that could be operating out of a gift that the Catholic Church has too, but better than how we are. And that's a very American way of seeing it, right, is that, like, hey, we actually have these things that we've stayed true to in the name of trying to keep our Catholicism in a Protestant country. We've yoked towards these things. But in, in Europe, what... They've always been so, like, again, we can use, we have to define our terms, but so faithfully Catholic, at least from a cultural standpoint, that now what they're beginning to see is like, oh, wait, 
but but the way some of our our brothers and sisters of other Christian denominations have been going after Holy Spirit. If we bring that back into this rich foundation we yeah. have, that's not against what we're trying to do. It's in addition to, in supplement of, and in and it furthers what we are doing. So mm-hmm. I do think sometimes we, especially from an American context, can get in almost a, a spirit of rivalry where we have to be so distinct yeah. from what someone else is doing. Or in Europe, at least when Nina and I went to Italy and I was in Rome, it didn't seem to it didn't seem to have that that mm. essence to it, yeah. which is interesting yeah. from what you're saying. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. I, Aaron, as you're sh- sharing about that, I was uh it's so funny because like, okay, so you have that giant mass experience with thousands of people. You're at NCYC having a, a liturgy with, you know, four thousand young people. This weekend uh we went backpacking, which was the coldest stinking weekend of my <laughs> life. Like there's no reason to backpack in 30 degree weather. Um, but uh, we went to the small little you and Giovanni. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, we went to the small little church community in um, you know Vinton County, Ohio, and like uh, it was just a brick building, you know. And um, the priest was probably seventy five years old, and uh, there's very few parishioners. Just kind of like uh, like the church was about the size of my my house. And Giovanni afterwards is like that was one of the best masses I've ever been to. And uh, I was like, why is that? He's like, well, first, I didn't know old guys could have such good homilies. <laughs> so the priest gave a sweet homily because he was so holy and he just like, um, but he's like, I just loved how small it was as well. Like, and it's neat because this church has probably been there for 150 years and you've got a, churches that like yeah. grand cathedrals that have been there for hundreds of years, but the church is enthroned or Jesus is enthroned in all of these different places in the world. And the people are gathered to hear him in all these different places in the world. And it's just, it's amazing. Like just even the Eucharistic King, it, it, it pleases him to dwell in Paris in like this giant, like unaffordable cathedral. And it pleases him to dwell in this small, tiny brick building in Vinton County as well. And, um, and you find the tradition, the beauty, and the grandeur of the church in both places, which is just fascinating. Well, and, and speaking of France, it reminds me of Therese Vlissou when she's saying that, like, her ocean versus thimble analogy. Hmm. That that sometimes we just look around the world, and there are like disproportionate amounts of natural gifts given, right? So you like, I I just see people sometimes. I'm like, you are just so unbelievably gifted, like yeah. in like so many ways, and the Lord loves having a place of residence there. And he loves having a place of residence in that that person whose natural gifts aren't all that outstanding. Yeah. They are faithful and they're well used and they're it's just amazing how what the the Lord is doing in the church is simply his way of communicating what he desires to do in his people. Yeah. The, the, yeah, like that church, Jesus is I mean it it goes without saying, but as present there as he is in a majestic cathedral yeah. But so too in us, right? And that's where the Holy Spirit piece mm. is important. And that's why when we're doing these ministries, uh, I, I, what am I trying to say? When we're when we're taking um, part in these ministry opportunities, like beginning to see that, wow, as, as people experience the Holy Spirit, regardless of of culture and um, place, 
things happen yeah. where their lives are changed. They encounter the Lord. Well, and even like you, you're encouraging people to take pilgrimage of some sort, right? And it's amazing. Like when I hear you, th- like, oh, well, and like, so I went to France with you a few years back and it, mm. incredible pilgrimage to see the church in Europe and, and these streets where like, oh, St. Vincent de Paul walked yeah, these streets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Our Lady of the Miraculous Medal, she she appeared or yeah. <laughs> like in that yes, chapel, yes. right? Like it's Here's a, where the French Jesuits <laughs> lived. It's yeah, like, yeah. Goodness. It's like, whoa, okay, yeah. this is crazy. And uh, But then just as like, I mean, I was an hour south of my my home and um in my own diocese as a parish I didn't even know existed yep. in our diocese yep. and and it was a significant uh Sunday experience yeah, for me. So like you don't there. have to fly to Paris. You should at some point fly <laughs> to have these pilgrimages and to see the church across the world. But you don't like have something you, about getting out of the norm. Yeah. Do you know? I mean it's Western yeah. Ohio, Eastern Ohio, Southern Ohio. Have you seen the church in your own state and its beauty and diversity that yeah. that exists there within. So Monica and I were there, uh, we were there for nine days this year. We were there for nine days last year. A couple of the highlights that I wanted to share today, you know, we were we were invited not just to participate in the Congress, but also to lead sort of a pre-event heading up to those days called the School of the Charisms. So we were speaking earlier about how, you know, oftentimes we need to be, we need to go, I'm sorry, that when we preach, it's good to go to a community who, who for whatever reason, has put the Holy Spirit in a box, right? And and to be able to to give hope and to and to speak a new message, and that's truly uh, what our experience at the School of the Charisms was. So there were 150 people who participated in this school, and what one of the things that's neat is that this was at a request of the Archbishop of Paris a couple of years ago, where so different parishes or or uh, groups within France will actually elect to send two individuals from their parish to participate in the School of the Charism. So you've got a very diverse audience uh, in terms of location and experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's a, a four-day crash course in life in the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I made a comment a couple years ago to uh, one of the priests who was, who was leading the conference with us, Father Etienne, and when when I'm speaking in France, I I, I have to speak through a translator because I don't yet know French, right? Maybe someday. And which means that in a typical like 45 minute session, I've got to cut my time in half so that half of it can go <laughs> through a translator. Yeah, yeah. And then in order to speak for a translator to translate, I furthermore have to kind of simplify my messaging a little bit. Yeah. So I kind of am walking in with this attitude of man, this message which I really feel passionate about is both half the length and far far more simplistic than I'm yeah, than I'm yeah. used to preaching it. So at the at the conclusion of the session, I, I told Father Eddie and I said, um, you know, wouldn't this just be more effective if you like led <laughs> yeah, these right. sessions? You could, you could say twice as much, and <laughs> it wouldn't be awkward. And uh, and no, but he he witnessed. He was like he was like, what you bring to the community mm-hmm. is is a spark of hope, mm-hmm. right? And there's something unique about the church in America that's not present in the church in France. And I would say, of course, the same thing about France. There's something yeah, there's, unique in the church in France that's yeah, not present yeah. in America. But there's there's such a need for cross-pollination yeah. because it speaks of the body of Christ. That, you know, yeah, if the if the ear doesn't know what the left toe is doing, then we got to fix that <laughs> because it's important yes. that, that the body knows the body, right? Yeah. So... 
Uh, I think I think these moments are critical. How do you fix that? Do you stick your your toe in your uh, ear? I was just identifying. Yeah. Dan, Dan, whenever Dan, whenever we Dan, used to speak about Dan the body of Christ, anatomical question. Yeah. <laughs> whenever we used to speak about the body of Christ on retreats for middle schoolers, Dan would always talk about the big toe. The big toe. Yeah. yeah, the, yeah. the devotion. To yeah. The big toe. The devo- yeah. yeah, I'm devoted to the the sacred big toe of Jesus. Of Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you can have a devotion to any part of Jesus, That's right? True. His holy face, his sacred heart, <laughs> his sacred wounds, his sacred big toe. Yeah, I mean, you I I think it checks yeah. out. If there's yeah. uh, if there's uh, different write, opinions on that, please comment. I'll write a litany um, to the sacred big toe of Jesus, <laughs> and that will be my like. Mm, if I die and become a saint, what that's, did I leave the church? That's Dan's. Yeah. Publish uh, it under another name, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I do want to go back to like I do think sometimes we don't know the water we swim in though, because I do yeah. think we are blessed in America for the same reason I was saying earlier that we yeah. do have Protestant brothers and sisters that are absolutely in love with Jesus. Yeah. And is their theology like whole? Is it, is it all altogether um, complete? No, but like, that's the beauty of the Catholic church in America yep. is that yep. we can see the ways in which they're operating and actually learn. Um, I, I, do, I don't even want to say like learn something new, but learn from a different lens, mm-hmm. right? Because when we learn from a different lens, we become multifaceted and we become better evangelists. I think that's the gift of pilgrimage too. And that's the gift of going to a different place. That's the gift of allowing yourself to be captivated by some of the transcendentals that you find in places. Like you go to France and, and just the beauty of the church there. Same thing in Rome, right? Like when you go to places, I've, I've heard of like people that go to ancient Greece and they see yeah. where like, um, Socrates was writing or where Plato was writing. And like, you are mesmerized by truth that like the, like the, we have to mm-hmm. allow ourselves to, um, I don't know, to almost be transcendent. Yeah. And, and the only way we can do that is by making ourselves uncomfortable, getting yeah. outside of what we normally do. And that is one thing that I'm constantly trying to speak at when I go to college campuses is like, if, if your experience of Catholicism is even one way, right? If, if you have the same type of friend group that you had in high school, which was the same type of Catholic friend group that you had in middle school, mm-hmm. I'm not even saying that's a bad group to be a part of, but make sure that you are stepping outside of that intentionally with the desire to bring back to that group something different, right? Because we don't we don't want to fall into, even to the degree that we're centered around the right thing, we don't want to fall into only one way of seeing things because it makes us better, because even God himself is a trinity of persons, that I, I want multiple, uh, at least ways of relating, you know? Mm, yeah. um, and so I, I don't know, I think mm. there's something to everything you're saying with a trip to France and, and what you're saying, Dan, with the trip to the different parts of the state that we're in now and the different parts of the country and um, not to write those off. Cause I think sometimes we can be like, well, the church in France, like it's bleeding out worse than here. Yeah. So might as well just let it leave it to its devices, you know, or, yeah. or the church in the, like the church in the West coast, just why do we even go to Seattle or to the California yeah. area yeah. when they've, but yeah, Seattle's burning its own city yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I, maybe it's just like, yeah. let that, let that. Yeah. Fall, but, but Jesus still lives there and he still reigns there, which is so yeah. cool. Like when That's I really just important. love the idea of the blessed sacrament, like really enthroned important. in a tabernacle, it's like Jesus has claimed every city as has as his own and he sits enthroned in these cities yeah, like it doesn't matter how yeah. crazy seattle gets how crazy san diego gets how crazy france is getting and secularism it jesus is still enthroned as christ the king yeah. in, in these cities and that's that is powerful and we've got to believe that like if if he sits on that throne he is victorious and he is powerful and it is i mean it's the it's funny cuz when you look at france it's like man 
there's so few resources there, like like the catechetical resources, right? Like America, we have so many catechetical resources, so many podcasts, so many uh, publishing houses, so many books, so many curriculums, and it's like, okay, do we have too many, um, or 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 are we actually? Are we doing the the right things with the resources, or are we just consuming mm-hmm. our resources? Mm-hmm. Whereas these missionaries and these lay people who don't have the resources are, are just so hungry, and they're doing everything they can yeah. to to win people to Christ. And it's like, wait a second, if we've been given to what the one who has received much, much is expected. If we've yeah. been given so much formation here in America, what are we doing with it? We should be the ones that are truly on mission because we know the faith so well. And at some point, I think in America, we, mm-hmm. we're going to be the place deploying missionaries yeah, do you guys around the, the world. Do you remember that image of, uh, of Notre Dame whenever the fire happened there and there, the cross, mm-hmm. the cross stood? Mm. Um, when you were just speaking, Dan, just everything you were saying, um, centering around the idea that Jesus is enthroned and claimed yeah. every city, like even if the city burns, you know? Like that tabernacle with the red light is like that. That's what remains. That's mm-hmm. the that's the eternal peace that's there. Yeah. And sometimes we can overlook the eternal world. Yeah. We can yeah. we can see all the chaos, miss that that like that anchor right yeah. in the middle of it. Well, so and one other thing, I just I want to point out. So we we do say the church in Europe is struggling. I had a I had a reflection just this year when we were there. Yeah. That it's almost like. Uh, I feel like it, the the church, and I'm I'm not the expert here of historical and demographic experience of faith, but it seems like the Church of Europe had a major decline and almost like hit rock bottom, and now there is a contingent that's building faith. Yeah, right. Huh. Whereas yeah. I feel like our role in America right now is we see the church on decline and we're trying to pull up out of the stall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The the uh, huh. uh, but like a nine thousand person conference. In a country that's one twentieth the size of the United States, yeah, that's yes. put on by by two full time employees, no doubt, kind of a big deal, it's yes. a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, yes. so so you know that's that's that would be the equivalent of Damascus hosting a hundred and eighty thousand person event, right? Yes, <laughs> no, exactly. Hmm. In, you have here to in look, the U.S., you know, we're we, looking for sponsors if anyone's <laughs> interested. Yeah, well, and we have to. I think we have to just like also recognize that the gates of hell will not prevail against yeah. right. That the yeah like. In in France, it's probably even more true that we're we've gone from Christendom to an apostolic age. Yeah, because all of those people left. If they're not apostolic, the church doesn't spread. Like, could yeah. you imagine if the twelve apostles, after the sending of the Holy Spirit, were like, "What would happen if we stayed in this room?" Well, the church wouldn't spread. That's what would happen, you know. And so, like, once yeah. we talk all the time about encounter meeting mission, maybe those people in France actually have something that they can impart to us in the sense that they realize that hey. The church is depending mm. on us to go. Mm. In America, sometimes I think we can sit on the sidelines just going, the church is going to kind of limp its way along whether I'm a part yeah. of it or not. Yeah. You know? But the impetus to like get in and make an impact huh. um, at least seems to be something yeah. that those yeah. lay people are buying into for sure. Well, and it's funny too. So the missionary, uh, the missionary experience that we have at Damascus is different from the missionary experience that that Oh, the sure. church in Paris experience, right? Even the, you know, we've mentioned it here on the show in the past a couple of years ago, but the the place where we where I stayed there uh, is called, the, it's the MEP, the Seminary for Foreign Missions. And uh, it it's built on top of the, the, the crypt where the men who went into the East who were martyred from that school came back and were, were brought back and buried. So like, 
there, there's a sense, a deep sense, and uh, rooted in history, that if we don't go, that the right. the Lord, the, the church doesn't spread. Yeah, yeah, that's you, his plan. And when we go, we risk our lives. <laughs> yes. Could you imagine if we did our PSR, like parachool of religion classes, over top of the crypt of martyrs who died spreading the faith? Like that, like the seminary built on, like that, it, it just tells you what your formation is all about. And yeah, I mean, if, if we, we don't form we don't form with that mindset sometimes because we don't understand that mindset. We don't understand that history. And so we, we lose it. Whoever, whoever loses his life will find it. Whoever finds his life, whoever, whoever like cherishes his life. It's, it's this idea that like, it's actually, we, we have to get out of our own way. We have to get out of our own way that there's so often I can see faith through the lens of what I'm attaining from it Mm. and getting from it and not through what I could give to yep. it before I return to the Lord. And that's that's just so different. One of the things I noticed about the Annuncio community, and I think this is this speaks to anyone listening, is they they understand biblical church truth and they understand the modern challenges. And I think if if we're trying to come up with an evangelization plan, which they are, they're trying like how do we win France again? Um the, well, there's biblical truths, and those biblical truths are are universally like accepted no matter who you are, where you are, whether you're the church in France or the church in Coshocton, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. wherever you are, the the biblical truths of the ev- evangelistic imperative, right? That I have a call to evangelize. Um, the signs and wonders that the Holy Spirit will work in, in signs and wonders. There's the we proclaim the truth of the gospel, and the Lord wants to reveal the power of the gospel. And then understanding the modern context that you're in and the challenges that you face. But if you, okay, I know the, the truth that I rest on, and I can look evaluate the modern context, and that changes whether I'm in Coshocton, Seattle, or Paris. Paris, Paris, my 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 challenges are different, mm-hmm. but the truths remain. And I think sometimes what we do is we actually, because of the challenges, we start to forget about the truth. And, and we're like, well, the challenge is bigger, you know, like, oh yeah, sure. That's happening at Damascus because you guys are Damascus. Like, no, it's it like, it's not Damascus. It's, it's promise of God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, and right. it's not France. It's promise of God. It's not Seattle. It's promise of God. And the promises of God were are promises that are universal, mm-hmm. not, and the challenges of the modern context are challenges that you simply say, okay, promise, how are you Mm -hmm. going to be fulfilled in this modern context? And Mm -hmm. I think if we rest ourselves in the promises of God, we're going to be a lot more effective in the work of mission, and we'll have a lot more hope. Yeah. Amen. All right, I want to wrap this up. So the, uh, I guess my takeaways from today's conversation are uh, you need a reboot, right? You need a revival in your life. Um, You need a revival in your parish, if you are a professional minister of the gospel, like the three of us, we need revivals in in our ministry, and uh, and the way we do that is through stepping outside of our bubble. Um, our, our our parish is a really good place. We need to invest there, and God's got something more uh, that you would do well to find. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage once again. You know, I was I was sharing testimony with our with our missionaries last week. One one of my most powerful encounters with the Holy Spirit was one that I haven't testified to frequently enough. Uh, where um, Patrick Rice and I were were going to go and visit a local Protestant church that was hosting a um, 
uh, traveling evangelist who was coming in. And I was a little uncomfortable. I was really early in my kind of in my journey to uh, encounter with the Holy Spirit. And on the way there, Patrick called and said, hey, I can't come tonight. Um, sorry, we'll have to do it another time. And I had a choice to make, like, do I want to go solo into this place that I don't know, into a community I don't know, into a faith that I don't practice uh, or don't align to, to allow myself to be invested in? And it was one of the most transformative, you know, encounters yeah. of the Holy Spirit that I've ever had. Uh, so there is plenty of opportunity, um, whether you're in that church in Coshocton or whether you're, whether you're planning your next trip to, to Rome or to Paris, there's opportunity to, to encounter the Holy Spirit. And um, if, if, you're, if you're operating in a place in ministry where you feel like I've done everything I can and I'm burnt out, man, seek opportunity to, to step outside of the box. Uh, speaking as one who, who became very insular in parachute ministry for a long time, uh, it's necessary. It's mm -hmm. necessary to keep us sharp and uh, to allow ourselves to encounter a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, I would love to actually intercede for um, both our listeners and for the Annuncio community. So I, I like to brag on them, but also they're struggling because there's two people. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll continue to pray for the good work that God's doing in them um, and in us. Let's, let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we love you. And uh, we, we simply can't do mission without you. Uh, Holy Spirit, you are you are the primary agent of evangelization. We are about the work of evangelization, which means we're about you. Uh, we align ourselves with you, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would pour into us. We pray that you'd be present to us. We pray that in all the ways that we tend to see ourselves as self-sufficient, that you'd remind us that there is more, you'd give us opportunity and invitation and you'd place a burden on our hearts uh, not to ignore it, uh, Jesus, not to ignore that invitation to the parish mission, not to ignore that invitation to the next town over, uh, not to ignore that invitation to that pilgrimage or to that trip or to that, uh, to that experience, because we need to seek you. Lord, I pray that you'd reveal yourself to us. I pray especially for the, for the community in, in France. Um, I pray for the Annuncio community for those leaders who have poured their lives out and who are feeling the effects of having been poured out. Pray your, your guidance to the continuation of the Mission Congress in, in Paris. And uh, Jesus, we pray especially also for all those people who our ministry, the three of us, has touched, um, for the communities that we've visited and those that we will visit in the future. Uh, and we extend that prayer also to everyone at Damascus who's constantly reaching out and pouring out to those people who come in. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us here on Beyond Damascus. I hope this episode was encouraging to you. Uh, maybe you too have been moved through an encounter with the Holy Spirit, through a mission, or through a conference, or through a trip you've made. If you haven't, do it. It's really important. If nothing else, you'll have a fun time uh, seeing the sights. The, uh, the work we do here at Damascus couldn't be possible without you, and couldn't be possible without the work of amazing benefactors and supporters like St. Gabriel Radio, who have made this uh, the studio possible, who've made the show possible. We love you guys at St. Gabriel, and we encourage you to check out St. Gabriel Radio here in Columbus, Ohio. Come and participate here at Damascus. Our missionary applications are open. If there's a hunger on your heart for mission and you're a young adult or you know one, 
Check us out at damascus.net forward slash mission, where you can learn about the missionary program here at Damascus, both for summer and for full-time mission work. And as always, if you've been moved by today's episode, please like, comment, or subscribe and uh, help invite somebody else to have an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit like you and like we have here. We love you. We'll see you again next week. God bless.